Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're blessed by this week's message. All right, good morning, good morning. Well, today is a good day, amen? I mean, do you just so enjoy God and worship or what? I mean, that is like what we're gathering about, and that's going to lead perfectly into where we're going to go this morning. Um, but I am excited about this message. I've had these words stirring in my heart. These are like my favorite messages to be talking about is seeking first the kingdom of God in all things. How many know that that is like what it's all about? When we come back to the main thing, there's so many distractions, but the main thing is seek first the kingdom of God. Right? Keep your life centered right in the will of God and in the kingdom of God. So I'm going to talk to, well, I'll share in a minute, but last week, if you were able to hear the message, um, I just wanted to show you. I do have bright socks on again, okay? There's a story to that. You need to listen to the message. Uh, we shared last week about just prophetic words, you know, coming into the year with prophetic words that God shows us. And he can give you all types of things. And things that, you know, he's calling you to do, to focus on, whatever. And then sometimes he's kind of playful. And one of the things he told me this year, coming into the year, I heard in December was this was going to be a year of bright socks. So, and it sounds ridiculous. But I went out and bought a whole bunch of new bright colored socks. And now everybody in the church seems to be wearing bright socks because everyone's showing them to me and I'm getting pictures midweek of everyone's socks. So, and tons of prophetic input as to what it all means, which is great. Uh, I don't mind at all. But anyway, so the Lord might speak something to you. It might be serious stuff. It probably is a mix. It might be something playful. That spoke to me and it spoke to my heart, honestly, of some you know, things that the Lord was speaking to me already. Um, but you know, God is a fun God. He's not just an ogre up there giving orders and we, we listen. And it's like, you know, he's a loving father. You know, he has a sense of humor. You know, where do you think we get senses of humor from? Some of you, I don't know where they come from, okay? <laughs> okay, anyways, moving on. So I want to talk this morning a little bit about finding your purpose in the presence. Finding your purpose in the presence. Um, but I want to do a little bit of a review. If you weren't here, um, I'm going to just hit a few things right out of the gate. Um, I share a little bit about what you know, God is speaking to us at the beginning of the year. Maybe you've come before the Lord and said, God, what is a word you have for my family this year? What is just a, a reorienting word that you've given me for my life? And I talked about last week how you know, we have these great intentions. We get these resolutions, these goals, and whatever we want to call them. And then we're hit right out of the gate with distractions. You know, the enemy wants you to be distracted. Um, and he wants us to be distracted. That's just the reality. We're, we're faced with an, a huge amount of distraction in this day and age, right? We talked about physical ones, like the phones, which I have a light, nice phone. My kids say I have a really good phone, but it's just a work phone. Um, but I talked about we t uh, the average user touches their smartphone 2,617 times per day. That's the average user. Yes, average. A heavy user, 5,427 times per day. It's almost unbelievable, but this was a recent study. It's like, wow. And then I had a good friend who's a member of our pastoral care team come up to me at the end of the service and say, I just want you to know, you touched your phone 39 times during the message. <laughs> so I said, hey, you know, I'm preaching to myself here too, okay? 
But here the thing is we talked about a distracted leader is an ineffective leader. A distracted person is an ineffective person. So how many want to be effective in life, right? So these distractions and things, we, we want to be aware of a little bit. We talked about emotional uh, you know, challenges that we face, and eight out of 10 Americans are stressed out, according to a recent study. I've seen uh, you know, 55% of Americans, up to eight out of 10 Americans say they're stressed out. Like, that's unbelievable. 80% of people are walking around stressed out. That's a problem. Right? There's, there's too much going on. So no matter how many efficiencies we gain, it seems to be counterbalanced by the effects of other technology like social media and comparison and anxiety that comes from it. So we're not netting a positive with all of this technology. So there's an emotional challenge that we face, and we talked about that and how pushing through some of that. Uh, the other piece we talked about was spiritual, that we're in a battle right? Uh, we, you, you just don't go through life perfectly. Everything, doors just don't open for you all the time. We, we face spiritual battles. And I talked about that the enemy is roaring, looking around, roaring like a, a lion, looking to see who he can devour. And it says to be on alert. Be alert to that, right? In Ephesians 6.1, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. That says that the devil has schemes, Right Now, I said that we don't walk around all of the time being afraid of what the devil is doing, and neither are we to be ignorant that he has schemes, right? Uh, I'm not someone who walks around very, very devil-focused. I never have been, uh, but we're not, we're not called to be ignorant to his plans, right? So this year, though, we said that we're going to stay the course. We, we, there's distractions. There's things the Lord has showed us in the beginning of the year. We face distractions. But our hearts are going to be as a people, like we're going to say, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God this year. Like, Lord, we're going to push through these things. We're going to push through distractions. And sometimes they're very real fights. They're very real struggles. And I'm not minimizing those. But um, no matter how many times you fall down, you get back up and you say, you know what? My heart is to seek first the kingdom of God. Right? I come back to that all the time. If you've been off the track in your life, it's time to just seek first the kingdom of God and watch how it just brings you back on track. If you've been wanting to go deeper in things of God, it's time to seek first the kingdom of God in every area of your life. There's no areas of our lives that are off limits to the advancing, growing kingdom of God, right? There, I think about that for a second with me. There are no areas in our lives that we don't allow to come under the influence of the kingdom of God in our life. We don't just have this, this is me in church and this is me over here. It's a totally different person. No, like every area of our life is to come into alignment with the growing, advancing, ever-expanding kingdom of God, right? Even in our own lives. So, so that's really cool. I want to talk for a minute about just different stages of life because, you know, seek first the kingdom of God has been like a life verse for me for over 25 years, but I pray it almost in a different way now than I did when I was 15, right? Because life is different. I've encountered different things. And there's a lot of studies in things that go into stages of life, in seasons of life. And I want to talk about that for a minute. When you are, um, for a lot of our teens are in the reflection middle this morning, but a teenager, when you're in your teens, your sense of identity is being formed, 
right, and who you are. You know, I can remember reading certain things that I would never read today because I was testing it out to see if this was going to be who I wanted to be, you know, or, or, you know, what is my favorite color? What is my favorite this? You know, how am I going to act? Your sense of identity, your sense of core identity is being formed in your teen years. In your 20s and 30s, and I know we have a bunch of those, uh, you're starting to build a life. You know, this is the time where you're starting to accumulate. You're starting to going out and buying a house. You're buying your first car, right? Your life is growing and growing quickly. You're, you're adding stuff into your life, you know? You thought your teen years were busy until you get into your 20s and 30s. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot happening now. Uh, your 40s and 50s, you've started to plateau at this point, and now it becomes more about going deeper. It becomes more about relationships. You know, you've accumulated a lot of things. You've added a lot of things into your life. And then you start to hit a point in your 40s and 50s, you're like, what do I really want to be focused on? What do I really want in my life? And maybe you start letting go of different things that, you know, you, you don't, you, you, it doesn't feel like it did in your 20s and 30s. So that's your 40s and 50s. The 60s and 70s in plus, it becomes about now giving back to the next generation, right? That becomes, that's the, the focus really of that season of life is it's giving back. It's not about accumulating things. It's probably about getting rid of more things. And it's, it's a focus on giving back. So when we talk about those very well-known life stages and life seasons, the questions that we ask in those times look different, right? So maybe you'll be able to relate with these. When you're in your adolescent, when it's a teenager, it's like, Lord, how do I, help me to put you first in every area of my life. Help me to put you first in every area of my life, in my song choices, in my friends, uh, in what I want to do. And you're just starting to be shaped. Your identity is being shaped. So when we pray to God and we say, God, I want to seek first the kingdom. I want to prioritize you in, in the advancing of your kingdom in my own life, in the rule and reign of God in my life, it becomes about how do I you know, stay oriented in those things? How do I orient my life at this time in that direction? In your 20s and 30s, it becomes God lead me as I start to build my life and lead my decision-making, right? When you're in your 20s and 30s, Lord, lead me as I start to find a mate, as I get married, as I start to look to find my job, as I start to venture down different career paths, Lord, lead me and guide me, and Lord, I put you first in all of my decision-making. And it's like, Lord, I want to start to build my life on a solid foundation. I can remember praying that, Lord, like, let me build in these years on a solid foundation in your 20s and 30s. In your 40s and 50s, it becomes, God, what are you calling me to let go of? And what are you calling me to focus on? What are you calling me to go deeper in? What are you calling me to let go of that I don't need anymore or, you know, I needed it back then, now I need to focus on different things? Lord, I don't want to plateau. I want to continue moving on with things of you, but I don't want to be so encumbered by things that I can't focus on going deeper in what you've called me to do. In your 60s and 70s now, the, the prayer becomes, and I have, we have parents that we can verify this with, who I don't know are here today, or Joy's parents. We've talked about this. God, help me and find joy in pouring into others. 
Lord, that I would find joy in pouring into others and lead me in the season of giving and reflecting. Because 60s, 70s, 80s becomes times of reflecting and looking back over your life in giving, not just of resources, but of time and of energy and emotional giving. So it becomes, Lord, lead me in the season of giving. What are you calling me to pour out what you have given me all these years into, right? Anyone can relate with that? Yeah, amen. It was kind of quiet. Anyone can relate with these? Yeah. <laughs> okay, take good notes. So you see, our, our seeking first the kingdom looks different as we move through different stages of life. Uh, the question feels different at different times, but it may be different because of the stages of life, but it all comes back to a heart that is motivated to seek the kingdom first, right? To see God glorified in all things. Um, and I think of the verse from Matthew 22, uh, where they're asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And, you know, they, they know there's 613 ordinances that Jesus could go back to from the old covenant, and he could say, but he says this, it all comes back to love. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. That a life of seeking the kingdom, that what we want for ourselves, we want to see this for our family, we want to see this for our generations, it all comes back to a heart that is being cultivated by love for God, right? That we're cultivating that heart and connection. Loving God is not just a discipline we take on, but it's a person we fall in love with over time. I don't have to discipline myself to love my wife. You know, I, I mean, there are things, yeah, I want to get better at, I want to grow in, you know, it is work, but it's also love. And I do those things out of a love relationship, right? Uh, I don't have to discipline myself to come home and say hello and give her a hug. You know, I, I want to. You've missed her during the day. It's the same thing with God. It's not just a discipline. It's, it's a love relationship. We're cultivating that heart so that as we go through life, it's easier and easier to seek the, first the kingdom in all things. It becomes more of a natural thing. It's not a super hard work grind. It's like you, you, you've learned to live this way. You've cultivated this in your life. And there's no other way. There's no other option, you know. So when we give ourselves to God, he gets the whole thing, you know. Our finances, our future, our past, you know, everything goes to God. I mean, seeking first the kingdom, there's no area of our life, like I said, that is off limits, you know, to God, just invading that area through his love. Um, it's so important. I want to talk for a little bit here just on finding your purpose in the presence, okay? So we've laid a little bit of foundation. Uh, I want to talk about the story from uh, Acts 9 and 10. And this is the story of Peter. Uh, this is like a fascinating story. Um, if you want to put up the next uh, picture here, I'm going to talk about this for a minute. Uh, we were here a couple years ago, and we were in the city of Joppa, which is right next to Tel Aviv. We were staying there. We took a little ride to the city of Joppa. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Peter, uh, but this is the house of Simon the Tanner, or where they believe that he had the vision when he was at the house by the sea. So the top picture there is kind of walking down, you know, into the steps in that right ahead where that lighthouse is, and it's the top part of the house. The middle picture, that would have been possibly what they believe was the rooftop where Peter had the vision. 
it's just a beautiful setting, too. You can't see the water behind it. And then the door, actually on the door, it says Simon, House of Simon the Tanner. So somebody wrote that. I don't think it was Simon because he didn't speak English. But anyways, so who knows? Um, but this is pretty fascinating. So Peter um, is traveling to churches, and he's doing miracles, right? We know that and he does a miracle, and then the church starts to grow. He heals Tabitha in the city of Joppa in Acts 9, and he stays there for a long time. So God would use him. He'd send, a, send Peter and the disciples out somewhere. They would encounter God. The miracle would happen, and the people would say, hey, we want you to stay with us, stay with us for some time. The church starts to grow. Peter, we know, was in Joppa for a long time. He stays with uh, Simon the Tanner in a house by the sea, which I love that in the Bible, in a house by the sea. It just sounds cool. You know, I want to be there. Um, and then enter Cornelius, the Roman centurion, right? Uh, he has a um, Roman centurion. He doesn't live in Joppa. He lives in Caesarea. He has a vision at 3 p.m. of an angel telling him to invite Peter to his house, right? So Peter is staying here in Joppa. Uh, Cornelius is uh, 40 miles away in Caesarea, a two-day journey, and he's getting a vision to say, you need to invite Peter to your house. Now, Cornelius was, you know, what they call a God-fearer. He, lo he loved God. He prayed. Uh, he wasn't Jew. He was Gentile. So then the next day, Peter is praying on his rooftop. He's out here. We know he's praying. And then many of us know the story of what happens there, but he has a vision of a sheet descending that uh, contains unclean animals that the Jews would not have eaten. And he hears a voice that says, God says, rise up, kill, and eat. Don't call unclean what I have now called clean. Right? He has to have the vision. It happens three times. You know, so obviously the Lord is saying something. Peter was hesitant because that would have been such a huge thing in their culture to like start, you know, eating animals that were unclean. You know, the law laid that stuff out very clearly. It was a big deal. Right after the vision, Cornelius's men arrive. Uh, like, can you even, it's almost unbelievable. Cornelius has a vision the day before. Peter's now having, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Cornelius has, uh, the angel meets him, and then uh, Peter's now having uh, the vision. Right as the vision's over, Cornelius's men are downstairs telling them who they are. I think Peter must have been like, oh my gosh, you know, God, you must be saying something. When um, they stay there the night together, the next morning they leave and they go to Cornelius's house. So they take that, you know, a couple day journey by foot and they go to Cornelius's house with his men and Peter and all that. When Peter is there, he preaches, and the Spirit of God falls on, upon the Gentiles, and they start speaking in tongues. Now, that was a huge deal, because they're all probably sitting there thinking, like, um, I thought this was just for us, this whole thing of God's Spirit and Jesus and all this stuff, and, but he's doing it among them. Like, we're not sure that this is how it's supposed to work. Peter baptizes them in water. And uh, what we know from there is th what just had happened was a monumental shift in the church that would change the whole church forever. It was no longer about Jew or Gentile, but we know from Galatians that it's, it's not about male or female or Gentile or Jew or Greek or whatever. It's about you know, everybody now has been grafted into the people of God. So Peter was used to start this revelation. It redirected the course of, of really his journey and the journey of the whole church and the journey of the worldwide church. But the thing that uh, seems so simple but can be lost in this is that Peter is up there, he's praying, 
and he's spending time in the presence. We don't know for how long or what he was doing. And then from there, God intervenes, rearranges Peter's focus, solidifies his purpose. And from there, the history of the whole church has changed. Now, I don't know if Peter, maybe he had a word that said this was going to happen or whatever. Obviously, we can look at prophetic words from the prophets that that foreshadowed what was going to happen in Acts 2 and other things and that God was going to open up. It was going to be for all people. But I'm pretty sure that that morning or whenever that was, uh, when Peter had that vision, that he wasn't expecting that to happen. Have you ever been in a time of praise or worship and you God just hits you with something? You were not expecting that to happen? Has anyone ever been like that? I'll tell you, it happens sometimes in the prayer meeting here on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, right? For the prayer team that meet. You know, we have people that are very dedicated. They get here early. They're back there praying before the service even starts. I'm really thankful for that group. Um, but sometimes God just shows up and, you know, you didn't know, but you're just in the right place at the right time and God wants to move. So Peter is praying. He's spending time in God's presence. God rearranges Peter's focus, solidifies his purpose, launches him onto a new journey. Um, we could look at, you know, different times of Moses being in exile or Joseph being in prison um, We don't have time to get into all that today, but they cultivated their connection with God during those times, right? Joseph, in the worst of situations, somehow cultivated their connections. Moses, when he was in exile, cultivated a connection. David, when he was tending sheep, somehow cultivated a connection with God in worship and in praise, and that spilled over into when he became king. That was the time of preparation, was time in the presence. And it was even different back in those days. We don't even totally understand it. But somehow, they were hearing God's voice. They, they wanted to do his will. They wanted to serve him. They, were, they had time to focus on God, to cultivate that relationship. Um, I've shared this before, too. Uh, I was in uh, Jordan a couple of years ago, and we went to the ancient ruins of Petra, which if you've seen, uh, the only reason people know Petra, let's be honest, is from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, became famous after that point. I've shared it before. It's still unbelievable to me. We, you know, remember we were driving out to, to Petra and it's like out in the middle of nowhere. Jordan is a total third world country. Um, and in fact, Jordan is, you know, quite poor and there was like no English speaking people. Thank God for our guide and our bus. And um, so we end up going in there, and our guide tells us, they're like, you know, this whole area, Petra, it was like, if you've seen it, the big sandstone, you know, the big treasury and all that, it lay undiscovered for over a thousand years out in the middle of the desert. Like, undiscovered. It's almost unbelievable. And then someone found it in the 1800s. They discovered it, this ancient kingdom. Um, And, uh, well, what we know is that Steven Spielberg's movie, The Last Crusade, put it on the map. Nobody was going to see it until Steven Spielberg's movie in the 80s, and now it gets two to three million visitors a year. So, I don't know, Steven Spielberg probably should have got a cut on that somehow, or it should work like that. But, but it's fascinating. But here's the thing, and that's why I'm sharing it. Uh, I, I could talk about that stuff all day long, but we know that Paul, he got saved. He got radically saved. And then he started preaching in the synagogues. And then he vanished for three years. It's not talked about a lot, but he went to Arabia. 
and they believe it was in the Nabataean kingdom of Petra, and that he was, there's rumors and there's traditions when we were there of churches that Paul ministered at when he was in that desert time, and somehow those traditions have been passed down for, you know, almost 2,000 years. Quite fascinating. But the point is, Paul got carried away, and he had divine revelations and things God showed him that were not in the church service on Sunday mornings, that were not in the synagogues. You know, God called him and then said, now you're going to go out for three years and you're going to spend time in my presence and I'm going to divinely download the gospel message into you. So much so, so that when Paul ended up preaching the gospel and people were rising up against him saying, you've messed up the message, you don't have it quite right. He was able, actually able to say to them, no, I have the gospel right because you didn't give it to me. I got it from God himself. God divinely gave him the kingdom gospel message without meeting with the original apostles, which is amazing. So Paul had a time that was set apart where he was hearing from God. I don't, I mean, he doesn't talk a lot about it, but he says some revelations he got that he couldn't share. But it must have been powerful times where he was taken away and he had time away by himself. And it was, you know, he wasn't preparing for his next message he was spending time with God, and he was, you know, we don't know what really happened there, but it's powerful. He spent time with God. Paul's purpose was fueled by his time in the presence of God. Peter's purpose was fueled by his time in the presence of God. You see a pattern here? David's preparation was time with God, singing and watching over sheep, and then God prepared him to be king. Same thing with Moses in exile. Obviously, was connecting, cultivating a relationship with God, and then he was prepared to lead the people of Israel. We've got to realize that our ultimate purpose and reason for being here is going to be illuminated when we are spending time in the presence of God. And I believe we're in a time where we are going to be hungry again like never before to spend time in the presence of God. It's like talk about getting back to the basic, simple things, you know. And, you know, not everybody has a church worship team at home where you can just say, okay, play that song. I'm going to sit here and soak. You know, so, I mean, let's be honest, right? We don't have, not everyone's musicians. How do I spend time in the presence? Honestly, I'm going to share the most basic thing here that can help anybody. Google top worship song of 2019. Pull up that song and sit there and start worshiping to it in your home, in your car, at its most basic thing. I did that over the break because I was curious, what are the real popular songs? Any one of them were good. Any one of them glorifies God. Any one of them you could play and sit and receive from God in the presence, and you could hear him just speaking to you. You could worship, cultivate that connection with God. It's not complicated. You know, Peter didn't have a worship team when he was sitting up on the rooftop, I'm pretty sure. So he was just probably sitting there. And it says that as he was, uh, we know he was praying or something, he fell into a trance-like state, which is, you know, probably happened to people out here when you're praying and then you encounter God, he gives you a vision. Um, so we know that's what happened. Um, you know, some of us are sitting around waiting to be used by God and we haven't spent time or years in the presence of God. You know, that can't be the case. You know, we have got to be cultivating that in our lives, spending time in the presence, playing stuff on your way to work. I've had times where I've played songs on my way to work, and I get to work, and I've been tearing, I've been crying, I've been listening. It's been going into my heart and into my soul. You know, the scariest thing is some of us sometimes think, I see this in our culture, 
that we know what we're called to, we start marching towards it, and we haven't spent the time in God's presence soaking and really getting to hear his voice and getting to know. And I hear people that are confidently tell me they're called to be pastors or whatever, and I'm like, well, that's great, you know, but now get in the bottom of the boat and row for a while and get to hear God's voice. And you're going to experience some disappointment. You're going to experience some setbacks. And that's all of that stuff's going to cultivate that heart connection that's going to keep you strong as you grow. So it's like don't run after stuff prematurely. Stay the course. Spend time in his presence. Get redirected from the Lord time and time again. Let him deal with the issues of the heart. You know, and get in that boat and row. You know, it's like, right? Not, not in a hard sense. But we need to have time spent in God's presence, hearing his voice, hearing how much he loves. I so appreciated Pastor Mark's word this morning of like, I was looking for something that I could have posted, some catchy line, and God said, tell them they're loved. Tell my people they're loved. You know, if we really knew we were loved, eight out of ten Americans wouldn't be walking around stressed out all the time. We wouldn't be so busy trying to earn some level of whatever, and we'd know we're love sons. I mean, this is a message that none of us can grow out of, right? That we are loved by God, and we are all together on some level of journey in understanding that, right? So, yes, I'll leave it there. Seeking first the kingdom of God is our primary aim, but we must cultivate a heart that is after his heart, Right? God's purposes for us are activated when we are in his presence. But let's just put our hands out before the Lord. I just want to pray. I really believe in just Holy Spirit downloads, and even as we're right now in a posture of receiving, that God can move, and he can move powerfully. Lord, we just commit ourselves to seeking first the kingdom of God in all things. Wherever we're at, in whatever season we're in, right now I pray, God, you'd bless the people of God that are here. Lord, you bless my friends, my community, church family. Lord, that we would go deeper in things of you this year, not just relying on stuff we've encountered or words we had 10, 20, 30 years ago, but the fresh manna, the fresh word from heaven, the rhema word that we need to hear in this season. Lord, pray for divine encounters, for Holy Spirit-led encounters. Lord, that you'd continue to pour out your spirit during our times of prayer even during uh, this spirit night coming up on Wednesday, even during Wednesday Night Life while we're having dinner, that, Lord, you're big on people getting together and eating together. I mean, you, your last meal was for a reason because there's something that we share about having a meal together and doing family life and community and inviting you into the midst of that. Lord, we, uh, the thing I hear the Lord saying is no limits in 2020. Take limits off of your mind. Uh, Lord, that we will not be limited by anything. I didn't have that prepared. I just heard the Lord say that. There are some, some of us here that have a limit that think, oh, this is great for everybody else. It's not really, I don't know how I would get into this. That's a limitation right there. You just need to be open to the work of God and open to receiving. Lord, we say no limits for ourselves in 2020. Nothing that wants to cap the potential that you have in Jesus' name. Lord, let us hear your voice more clearly than ever that we have in our lives. And this isn't for a select few. You've made this for the, all the body of Christ to experience together. Lord, we're growing, going together. We're not leaving people behind. But Lord, you are moving and we want to be moving with you. 
So we're going. We're coming after it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's message. We pray that you experience God's presence and encouragement, grow in a healthy community, and influence your world. For more information, contact newhope.com 